Jesus was in the stern, asleep in a cushion. Why did Jesus Christ, who is God, allow himself to fall asleep just when things were getting really tough for his followers? This is a question we all have to face sooner or later. Maybe we won't be on a boat during a storm that threatens to sink us, but each of us will run up against some kind of storm sooner or later. In fact, in this world, it's safe to say that the storm is the norm. It may be the long and painful sickness of a loved one, the death of a beloved child, the damage caused by a family member's addictions, the ravages of war, a debilitating natural disaster, financial ruin, or maybe just intense heart-sickening loneliness. Why does an all-powerful God go to sleep in our boats and let the storms rage against us. The Catechism of the Catholic Church tells us clearly that we will not understand God's ways fully or completely until we meet him face to face. That's from Catechism number 324. And I quote, the fact that God permits physical and even moral evil is a mystery that God brings to light by his son who died and rose to vanquish evil. Faith gives us the certainty that God would not permit an evil if he did not cause a good to come from that very evil by ways that we shall fully know only in eternal life." End of quote. We cannot understand God's ways fully, but we can understand God's ways partially if we understand, understand God's agenda for our brief journey through earth. And we know that this agenda, brothers and sisters, isn't perfect comfort and perpetual pleasure, right? Rather, he wants us to achieve the wisdom, courage, and inner balance of spiritual maturity. In other words, he wants us to get in shape for heaven. And that involves learning to trust in him more than in ourselves, learning that we are not all powerful. I know that's hard to learn. And so sometimes God goes to sleep in our boats and lets the storm rage so that we will come to know and accept the reality 
of our limitations and the truth of our dependence on him. The recent history of a painting by Rembrandt is an ironic reminder of our human limitations. If you go to the gift shop in the famous Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston, Massachusetts, you can buy a poster of a fantastic painting by Rembrandt depicting the very scene we just heard described in the gospel reading. It shows a mighty sailing vessel being tossed like cork in gigantic waves, apostles panicking, sails ripping apart, and Jesus just being awakened from his cozy nap. You can buy the poster in the gift shop, but if you go to the Rembrandt Gallery of the Museum to see the original painting, you will be shocked to discover hanging on the wall is nothing but an empty frame. You see, on March 18, 1990, around 2 a.m., it was stolen by two thieves dressed like Boston police officers. They cut the painting out of its frame and escaped with it with 11 other items currently valued at about $500 million. It was the most spectacular art robbery in modern times. And now, more than 20 years later, right, the case remains unsolved, despite wide-ranging probes by the FBI with assists from Scotland Yard, museum directors, friendly dealers, Japanese and French authorities, and a band of private investigators. Despite hundreds of interviews and new offers of immunity, despite the Gardner Museum's promise of a $5 million reward, despite oceans of ink and miles of film devoted to the subject, the combined power, wealth, and the intelligence of the world's highest cultural and law enforcement organ organizations have simply come up empty-handed. We are not powerful, not all powerful. We need the mighty hand of God to guide us. Learning to accept limitations, our limitations and dependence on God, especially difficult in today's world, which is so technologically advanced that it tends to put an almost religious quality faith in human potential. There are still some problems that we haven't yet solved, but this myth, this myth of scientific progress tries to convince us it's only a matter of time until we solve them all. Not so, not so. We cannot make heaven on earth. We cannot save ourselves. 
we cannot even find lost paintings, which is precisely why Jesus came to be our Savior. This deep religious faith in science is seductive for two reasons. First, because it's so popular in today's culture. It's built into advertising campaigns, movie screenplays, and television scripts. It's even the motivation behind activist groups that promote things like abortion and homosexual unions. They try to solve unwanted pregnancies and unwanted sexual orientations, not by seeking God's help to follow God's design for human happiness, but by trying to redefine or re-engineer what it means to be a human being. Second, this faith in scientific progress is seductive because it flatters us it tells what the devil told Adam and Eve. You shall be like gods. But of course, that's just as, as much a lie today as it was at the beginning of history. And so God continues, continues to give us opportunities, storms, to learn to trust in him, to surrender to him, our illusions that we are gods. How can we take maximum advantage of these opportunities? The very best way is to learn to pray better. It was by going to Jesus asleep, yes, asleep in the back of the boat that the apostles discovered his greatness and survived the storm. Prayer is how we go to Jesus. Prayer is the school where we learn the beauty and wisdom behind God's agenda. Prayer is the gym where we exercise and strengthen the faith that allows Jesus to become the Lord of our lives, not just in theory, but in practice. Today, brothers and sisters, as Jesus renews his commitment to us in this Eucharist, let's ask him to be our strength amidst the storms of life. And let's promise that we will renew our commitment to becoming experts in prayer.